Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan of CNET, and I'm back from vacation. Sorry for the hiatus. Last week, Beyond the Summit, an LA-based esports event organizer laid off its entire staff. The company was known for putting on intimate invite-only tournaments in Super Smash Bros., Dota, Rocket League, and other games. The format allowed for a looser atmosphere where pro players could joke around and entertain audiences in other ways. This comes as other esports teams and companies have began dropping players or selling their positions in leagues. In Smash, players like Leonardo MK Leo Perez and Gavin Tweak Dempsey, arguably the best players in Ultimate, ended their tenures with T1 and TSM respectively. And The Guard, which owns the Gorillas of the Call of Duty League and the Gladiators of the Overwatch League, began laying off employees as reports started surfacing that the organization would either sell off its franchise spots or shut down entirely. FTW made repeated attempts to reach out to BTS co-founder David L.D. Gorman, but he never replied to our request for an interview. Joining me today is Dot Esports reporter Kale Michael. Kale, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. No problem. So, Kale, I think for a lot of people that maybe have never watched a BTS stream, um, maybe, maybe they might not understand, you know, why it was so beloved. So, explain to us, you know, why BTS is so beloved, and I mean, obviously not the band Beyond the Summit, uh, is so beloved, um, especially in like the Smash Bros. community. It's it's kind of a culmination of things because Smash is, in and of itself, this grassroots community that built itself up. All the tournaments are run by people, not organizations. There's no like overarching body uh that governs everything as much as like the last couple of years have tried to either change that or seen that kind of fail for mm. uh, one reason or another but uh bts kind of brought this unif a uniformity that didn't break the mold of what smash players were expecting and wanted mm. you got the all the personalities you got uh, highlighting of community events like even when bts wasn't running a summit or running some kind of smash event like obviously summit uh whether it's smash summit or ultimate summit um more recently have become these like pillars of the community with like these huge prize pools mm -hmm. huge events around them for like crowdfunding uh players to go voting campaigns all of these things that uh generate content around them too with uh with different spins on that, but they also have like their own majors. They uh, started doing main stage a couple of years ago. They started doing like, they help all these majors by like broadcasting the, the, the beyond the summit channels on Twitch, which are bigger than a lot of individual like smash organization channels. They, they help with broadcasting like uh, the, with getting people out to the events with uh, putting on a commentary with cameras, with streaming uh, equipment, everything like that. So a lot of behind the stuff uh, too, along with like ad sales partnerships. Um, most recently, the Papa John sponsorship that uh, came under fire, like uh, for a number of reasons during the Panda Cup uh, situation a couple mm -hmm. months ago. But Ex explain that really quick. The, the Panda Cup situation, or or, or <laughs> Papa John's? The Papa John's. Uh, it's it's just they, they. It was like the first big kind of like non endemic esports deal that went mm. through. Like they announced. Uh, early last year that they were going to have a deal with Papa John's. And it was just this huge deal where all of the, all BTS partnered events that were like uh, being put on, whether it be majors or summit itself uh, had a partnership with Papa John's. So people could like use a specific uh, promo code and get like 25% off of Papa John's during the event. Like it was a huge deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just ended up being this, this huge thing. Obviously it wasn't enough, but like that, that's the kind of thing that BTS brought to the table along with mm -hmm. like, revolutionizing kind of like the the quadcast the four people sitting down together and doing 
commentary together or talking right. together, being able to use that as a method to bring up new talent or get people accustomed to new talent. I, uh, for anybody that wants like a lot more detail about this, I, I highly recommend watching the most recent episode of four side fights over on the melee it on me, uh, YouTube channel with mm-hmm. a bunch of X beyond the summit people, uh, being just taught basically having like a round table of like talking about why it means so much to them, why it means so much to the community and what it brought to the community. And a, one of the best points they bring up there is if, if you have that situation where you have four people sitting at a couch together and you have like for the, the example they used is Toph and scar, the two most beloved commentators in all of melee. And you add a person that people don't know into that situation, they are more likely to be liked because they are with someone else and they are not dominating the conversation. Mm-hmm. That kind of ingenuity, along with the content angles, uh, the skits, the letting the melee players play mafia and that becoming such a community thing uh, after the tournament's in, mm-hmm. showing the personality of the players, whether it be Dota, whether it be Smash, whether it be Rocket League, most recently Pokemon. Uh, TFT, like they just bring so much grassroots love and support to all of these organizations, players, uh, just teams, everything that you just don't find anywhere else. And that's why you saw so much, not, not necessarily hurt, but like you saw collective mourning from the communities that BTS was a part of for so many years or recently with TFT Pokemon and all that stuff. Uh, that we won't see that again after uh, Ultimate Summit this month. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that for a second. So Ultimate Summit is presumably uh, BTS's last event, and I mean, let's go. I, I always found BTS have an interesting kind of monetization model, where as most events are kind of you know just free to broadcast, which BTS events were, uh, to kind of be a part of the event in a way to vote players in. It actually kind of like your your votes cost money, and you could buy um, you know different. Uh, pieces of merch and things like that and that, that was this was on top of you know the papa john sponsorships and considering the ability to actually monetize from the community and have advertising revenue um from non-endemic sources this sounds like a healthy model so do we have any indication as to why it just wasn't sustainable the, the, the bts people ld specifically with his like uh, kind of goodbye message mm-hmm. that he posted to twitter uh, twit longer to google docs whatever um the the idea behind it was working. It's just, it, it it wasn't functional in a way that would keep BTS at the level BTS wanted to be. Hmm. Like it, it wouldn't keep BTS being the BTS that people love, doing the things people love at a level where the company could guarantee uh, success. Like I highly recommend going to read the full piece. He goes v- w- way more into depth than he needs to about, like the 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 being just being upfront with people about like why this is happening, why they wanted to, to why they decided to do this now instead of in a couple months when they basically couldn't support themselves anymore. Hmm. Uh, if if some hail mary didn't happen, uh, because sure they could have tried another crowdfunding thing. I mean, I, I don't I don't have the page up right now, but I mean, Ultimate Summit's uh, numbers for the for their crowdfunding is is pretty big. It's not as big as it was when it was breaking records, but it's pretty big. Uh, but you've got to take into account that you've got the 20% or whatever that goes to the actual, the actual event. You've got whatever is left over is being pooled into whatever other funding BTS can have to put on that event. So that means paying casters, getting players out there, 
uh, putting on the actual broadcast with all the equipment, paying their existing like team that was that's under salary, uh, freelance any freelancers that need to happen, graphics, anything like that. You have to take all of that into account. So that mm. adds up really quick, even though it's already in house, like at their warehouse. So like that's not including like putting on a major like main stage, putting on uh, other events and helping production. So it's not just the summit part of it that is uh, is being taken into account in those monetary models. It's also the majors that they're helping with, the majors that they're putting on, the other events they're helping with, all the production that they're doing. Mm. Uh, so it, it's a lot of different areas that you have to take into account when looking at it. And obviously we don't have all the information of why it didn't work out. But as you said, uh, like, hey, maybe it's just advertisers weren't there. Like maybe you, you can't find another big deal like the reason ultimate summit six is still happening is because they were able to sell some kind of ad space some kind of partnerships with people so you're seeing that partially because it was already locked in so this Mm -hmm. is kind of like the last hurrah for whatever partners they need to meet some of these metrics or whatever i'm sure the viewership is going to be fantastic for it but obviously it's a little uh, too little too late yeah and let's talk about the macro esports environment at the moment um, you know, clearly the economy is hitting esports hard, as is uh, a lot of sectors. And usually, when there are looming signs of recession, advertising is the first thing to go. Uh, but it, more specifically, I think compared to other competitive sports industries, things like that, esports has really been unable to weather the storm. Uh, why do you think that is? Uh, be- because it's such a wild area of media people don't know what to expect if someone invests into an esports company are they investing into it to be the title sponsor of a team's team or like an organization's team like uh on lcs broadcasts on uh dpc broadcasts uh when a player shows up to a fighting game tournament like are they are they paying top billing to be the name across the chest uh like you see in some of these cases or are they paying for spaces on people's content are they paying on like for streaming stuff or like there's so many different areas that still haven't been figured out in this sort of like post esports boom like heading into what people are calling like that esports bubble pop or the esports winter or whatever Mm -hmm. uh during this like recession period where you're sitting here like okay are people going more content focused? Do we want to just focus on creators? Do we want to go teams? Do we want to do like sponsorships via YouTube videos? Do we want to do sponsorships via traditional stuff like uh, just ad deals? There's so many ways that people look at it and esports doesn't have an answer to what it is yet. It doesn't have like a uniform, hey, we will give you top billing on our like sponsor list for when we do the like the slideshow that all the streamers that are partnered have on their streams like th- there are so many different areas that just aren't to aren't to the standards of other kind of areas of media and also mm-hmm. like esports just doesn't have a return yet like a lot of esports just isn't profitable content creation largely is profitable at the highest level so there are people in these marketing meetings that are wising up to Maybe esports isn't the way. Maybe content is the way, which is also kind of how esports is going now too. Maybe focusing on content creation, focusing on creator centric media, focusing on creator centric tournaments, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. like like in, in Smash, for example, Ludwig puts on a bunch of Smash tournaments. 
Uh, but even his, I think his last tournament, he was complaining that you know he, he lost like what a hundred thousand dollars, like some. Oh yeah, of money. It, it's not profitable. You, you, <laughs> like event organization in esports is not profitable at like probably that. I don't know like what level you would consider that. Like there's there's probably profitability in like the at the very highest level and probably in like the the mid major level, depending on how you run it. But you're gonna lose money running tournaments. It's like event spaces right now are crazy expensive to rent out like ludwig i think uh for the scuff world tour at the end of last year he ran it out of golden guardians facility so i don't mm. i don't know how much money he lost running that broadcast but he, he flew out players he like paid or like he got sponsors for it like there's a whole bunch of factors that go into just little things like that that even with all of those things even with multiple sponsorships even with like probably the facility being mostly gifted to him to use you can still lose a lot of money on tournaments uh, because you're just not getting like that. There's, there's not a, a centralized way that is guaranteed to make money. And I don't think that's going to change within the next year. And so we're going to see a lot of experimentation. A lot of those partnerships are going to focus in other areas like content creation, mm -hmm. like specific creator events, uh, like the, uh, again, Ludwig's chess boxing event or uh, tournaments run by creators. Just stuff like that's probably going to be the, the next wave of you're going to see advertisers try and get in on that more so than traditional esports. And I, I mean, even like the sports industry is seeing this upending by streaming, right? Because like every cable package that everybody had back in the day, I mean, assuming, you know, and I mean, cable is still, you know, a decently popular way for people to get content on their televisions. But like part of your cable package, like a good chunk of that, I, I don't know, like 40 bucks of it went straight to ESPN even if you didn't watch sports, right? And that was definitely like keeping ESPN, um, it made it so that they could pay millions of dollars to all their hosts and employees and whatnot. But as that's drying up, you know, ESPN, I guess I'm part of Disney is, is also worrying. But the idea that like, you know, a percentage of all of Twitch's revenue just goes to esports, like that doesn't exist at all, right? Uh, and it, it, it seems that, I, I, you know, I feel that monetization because esports has always like uh, positioned itself as free from the outset, um, means that it's always going to be an uphill battle to, you know, uh, bring in the revenue to offset some of the cost and make a profit and pay players well. Uh, it, it, the idea of, like, a pay-per-view only, like, League of Legends event or Smash Bros. event or what have you seems so anathema to what people are used to in the esports realm that I don't know if it's possible. The, the, I mean, the closest thing I've seen that I, I felt was maybe doable was years ago, Evo... Uh, had obviously the stream was free, but if you wanted to watch it like 1080p, you had to like subscribe to the the Twitch channel, pay like five bucks or something like that. And I, I did because I wanted to watch it in 1080p. Uh, but we haven't really seen like great innovation in the monetization space. And I actually thought Beyond the Summit was doing some some great innovation on the monetization space by um, monetizing like the ability to vote for your favorite players, et cetera, et cetera. So. I don't know. Have you? Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Have you heard any kind of rumblings of like how uh, event organizers will continue to try to extract some money on the viewership side? I don't know about how they're going to try and extract, uh, like specifically. But I mean, we've seen conversations like this pop up. Like mm -hmm. obviously, like Ludwig's chess boxing event could have been a pay per view event, but yeah. he was going for the big number because he wanted to have that big number. He wanted to show off some new features that YouTube implemented to their streaming service as part of that partnership that he has. Mm -hmm. Like 
a whole bunch of things like that play into it uh, where he's willing to bite the bullet and lose some money, which I don't think he lost as much money as he did on some other tournaments with that. But like you're getting to the point where you're going to see more experimentation. I think hungry box had a Twitter thread that went viral relatively recently talking about like, would you, how much would you be willing to pay for like a pay-per-view or some kind of like bonus content with your smash events? Right. You're going to start seeing that like beyond the summit's gone. But the influence of Beyond the Summit and innovation from their like systems aren't going to go away. Like you're still going to see like all these innovations for commentary and content. You're probably going to see skits and some other stuff pop up at some of these smaller events more often. Now the BTS is gone. There's a there's a market for that. You're going to hmm. see someone maybe try and step up and host a some kind of middling level of summit event or like a, a some kind of like historical context like hey let's do like a, a spiritual successor to summit something like that's probably still going to be there but yes like you were talking about like the pay-per-view the some kind of uh exclusive package like you can pay for this ticket thing and you get more access to content maybe uh for smash events specifically or fighting game tournaments you get access to like a, a, a quad stream or some mm. kind of bo just bonus content that you can uh, enjoy alongside the tournament or maybe for some cases just hey we are offering a two dollar ticket that you can use to support uh the tournament just hmm. like watching digitally just little stuff like that that gives alternatives to people subscribing with twitch prime for the event to avoid twitch ads or something Al offering alternate uh viewership options uh outside of twitch because i know a lot of people are getting upset with twitch uh, mm. because of how many ads get played. So sometimes they're just missing the action because they tune into the tournament and they get like a wall of like <laughs> however many like ads. It's just something that's going to, you're going to see a lot more of is all, that experimentation with monetization. You're going to see pay-per-view events pop up. You're going to see ticketed events pop up. You're like, whether that limits viewership or uh, adds bonuses, you're, you're probably going to see like exclusive events. You're probably going to see Twitch and YouTube and a whole bunch and maybe like, third parties start paying for tournaments to be exclusive. Like you said, with like the cable package content, you're going to see a lot more of that. Who knows who could get into the game next uh, when it comes to these things. But I think you might start seeing some of these bigger tournaments get tournament exclusive deals with Twitch or YouTube. If mm. YouTube starts trying to get more into that space, or if a person uh, or group isn't willing to just like, Hey, we're going to stream it on Twitch and YouTube. Maybe that starts being the new norm. Mm -hmm. So, no, with that, I, I definitely hope that Beyond the Summit and uh, event organizations like Beyond the Summit uh, find an avenue forward. Um, but with that, Kale, thank you so much for coming onto the show. No problem, man. And that was FTW with Amon Khan, part of the Dot .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. To follow Kale and keep up to date on the FGC, Pokemon, Dota, and Yu-Gi-Oh!, you can find him at xjustified on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me at Imad on Twitter. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.